0: I'm not Jared. Uh, the elders got a text this morning, and uh, Jared was in the uh, emergency room with Heather. Not sure all the details. Um, he was planning on being able to leave there in time to get to the service, and uh, things just didn't work out. They weren't able to release her yet. They're still working through some things. So um, by all means, you know, continue to keep her and Jared both in your prayers. Um, but as a result... Um, Two years ago, I preached my first and only sermon in my life, and so I told Jared, I said, let me pull that out, and I will preach it again, updated it a little bit in the 30 minutes or so I had this morning. So I covet your prayers. Um, I reached out to Gene and my prayer partner uh, and another really close friend this morning and said, hey, please (laughs) help. But you know... That, that, that song, that hymn that we just sang, it, it, it's the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, Ken prayed with me this morning, and it's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. And the less of me and the more of him, the better. So you're getting a whole lot of him and very little of me this morning. And, and I pray that that works, that works for all of us. And here's the cool thing. You know, I, I love the way God works. I'm very sorry that Jared's in the hospital and Heather had to go to the emergency room. last I really am. I would much rather have him here. But this sermon that I preached two and a half years ago, guess what it's on? Prayer. God works. I already knew what God laid on my heart. And the subject was, and I'm going to read part of this, but the subject was, quite frankly, not only to benefit or help you, It was to convict me to get my heart and my head in line with what God expects out of me regarding prayer. You see, some of you had the the privilege of knowing Jean, my bride. Um, She was a wonderful, sincere, faithful woman who knew God intimately and prayed with a passion and a conviction that was so convicting to me. I pray that the married couples here have that, that you husbands and wives or just sit in awe of each other's prayer life. Her instant knee-jerk reaction to any known or unknown need was to place her hand on my arm and say, we need to pray. Didn't matter. Roadside accidents, waking up in the middle of the night with a troubled spirit, you name it. So I'm preaching to myself this morning, and I pray it will guide you as well. Well, first of all, let's get some definitions down. What is prayer? Is it us talking to God? Is it God talking to us? Is it simplex communication or is it duplex conversation? Why pray at all? God already knows more than we could tell him and he knows it without any filters. There's no fake news with God. There are innumerable examples of prayer and lack of prayer in scripture. Remember Hannah in 1 Samuel? She was asking God, She was asking God for a son, praying so earnestly that Eli thought she was drunk or conversely, Second Samuel seven, acting on his own with consulting the Lord, Nathan advised Daniel. I'm sorry, David, to build the temple. There's a backstory. Sometime I, I might. Um, Daryl Fletcher's very familiar with it. With that passage, um, that passage always intrigued me because God basically took Nathan to the woodshed, but Nathan was never criticized by him for talking out of turn. So I, I'd like to read a section of Acts, and I'd ask you to stand with me. I'm going to read out of Acts chapter 1. Obviously, we have no, uh, nothing up on the overhead, but this is a short passage. Beginning in Acts 1, chapter 12, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath's day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas son of James, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. And then in Colossians four two, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'll still our hearts that your Holy Spirit will speak through this very weak vessel, that the words that come out of my mouth, actually, more importantly, Lord, the words that go in the people's ears will be your words, not mine. Lord, that you will convict, that you will encourage, that you will bless us with the truth of your word through your Holy Spirit, that we will leave this place different than when we came in the door, Lord, that we will leave this place encouraged to pray, to be encouraged to develop and improve our relationship with you through prayer. And you will teach us what you want us to know. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so what is Paul saying here in Colossians? First, does he suggest that we might want to take an opportunity to pray if we don't have anything else going and there's nothing on ESPN? No. The idea is to continue in prayer, to make it a priority in our lives, not something we just go to in times of stress or trouble. That's the knee-jerk reaction, isn't it? Somebody's sick, financial difficulties, relational difficulties, whatever the case may be. That's when we get on our knees and pray. There's a lot we can unpack in that one verse, but just one aspect is that he tells us the attitude that we are supposed to have in prayer, and that's to be watchful. The Greek is grigori. That's one of two words I know. To be vigilant. Just like Gene, to be aware of the call to prayer, to make that our knee-jerk reaction not just in times of stress, but to seek opportunity, opportunity to talk with God, and also be thankful, not only, excuse me, that he is gracious and merciful, but that we can actually converse with him. We're able to talk with the creator of the universe. When we love someone, we want to talk with him or her, even about inconsequential things. We just enjoy hearing their voice. Some of us may remember being teenagers and having a girlfriend or a boyfriend and talking for hours about nothing, but we just cherished the sound of their voice. That's what we want with God. We want a conversation. Remember Job's complaint? What was the primary, the kernel of his complaint? It wasn't what I'm going through. He just wanted God to answer him. Even if God condemned him, that was okay. He just wanted to hear from the Lord. So how did communication begin with God, between God and man? It was Genesis 3 with Adam and Eve in the garden. They regularly talked with God in the garden. Can you imagine that? Walking through the garden of Eden, just in here, Hey, God, what do you think? Oh, I love that flower. We don't know what it was about. doesn't really matter. But when they sinned, what changed? All of a sudden, they were afraid to talk with him. They hid. But here's here's one of the wonderful things about our God. What was his response? Did he sit over in the corner and wait for them to come to him? Nope. He went searching them out. He looked for them, asked them why they were hiding, told them they were naked. God reached out to them just as he reaches out to us first. I think the kernel of part of our problem is we don't realize that. Eve, who talked with God every day in the garden, listened to a voice other than God. That was the fall. As far as we know, there were only two other voices in heaven, God and Satan. God's voice they knew. He sustained them. They knew he created and loved them. He provided for them everything. But yet they listened to a new voice and ignored what God had told them all their lives to this point. I submit that we haven't changed much. Some of us can read scripture for years, listen to sermons from men who rightly divide the word, verify what they've been taught by studying ourselves, but then a new revelation comes on the scene, a fresh look at scripture, and we ignore what we already know and grasp this new truth, this gospel. Nothing new, there's nothing new under the sun. I I have the wonderful opportunity to be able to uh, read scripture on Sundays, Sunday nights at uh, a local nursing home. And I've been, I just finished the book of Ecclesiastes, um, wonderful book. But nothing new under the sun. Remember Paul's admonition in Galatians one eight. Paul said, "But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed." Not just don't listen to him, but let him be accursed. Why? Because there's a good chance he or he or, or she in the modern day church will mislead the flock. And just to fill that out a little bit more, one of the things I love about Paul's writing, and here again, everything that Paul wrote was from the word of God. It was God's word that was given to him. But he's so good at anticipating the response or question. It's almost like God's directing him or something, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 11.3. I am afraid, however, that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may be led astray from your simple and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims a Jesus other than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit than the one you received, or a different gospel than the one you accepted, you put up with it way too easily. God knows our natural tendencies. Now... You may ask, what in the world does this have to do with prayer? Absolutely nothing. If prayer is just you and I talking to God, if God doesn't speak to us or only speaks in abstract, generic, impersonal ways, then frankly, why bother? He already knows our needs, He knows everything that's going on in our lives. Everything we're going through, he knows he is God. He is not made better or more glorious by, him, by us telling him that he is. God doesn't have an ego, but follow me on this. If prayer is communication with our creator, our loving father, our savior, the only holy, perfect, omnipresent, omniscient being in and outside of the universe, then that's something totally radically different. Because God is then speaking to us. And we, know when, we need to know when it is his voice that is talking. Remember 1 John 4, 19? We love God because he first loved us. Let's dwell on that statement for just a moment. I loved my wife dearly, and she loved me. And one of the things, and I've talked to some of you about this, one of the things that I miss so dearly is conversation with Jean talking about anything and everything, discussing ideas and fears and dreams and experiences. I pray, and I've said this before, but I pray that you married couples cherish conversations with your spouse. Do you love to talk with other loved ones, parents, siblings, and children? And if you don't, because you have broken relationships, are you happy that they are broken? Or would you prefer that they weren't so you could have those conversations? Back to 1 John. Do you believe that God loves you and me? Do you believe that God made us in his image? Then how can we not grasp that God wants to talk with us? God went looking for Adam and Eve. He wanted to talk with his creation. First, God goes looking for us. He wants to save us. He sent his son to die for us so that we could be reconciled to him, so he could reestablish a relationship with us that we broke. And what I ask is a relationship unless there is communication. You know, that one of the hymns, um, Grace, that Mike led us in this morning, um, one of the, the lines in that is, I had no right to approach your throne. And we don't. Without Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we have absolutely no right to approach the throne other than to ask for salvation. So can we agree that God wants to communicate with us? You know, one of the the joys of being an elder here, it's something that a lot of people may not think about. I I know the, the, the guys do. One of the joys is baptismal and new member interviews. We get to sit down across the table and have somebody tell us how they came to Christ, what's going on in their lives before and after they came to Christ. We get to hear... Sometimes from a young person, sometimes from someone older. Why do you want to be baptized? What's going on in your heart and mind? Those are, those are precious times. And many times those people will share things. In fact, everything that's shared in there never leaves that room. But it, it, it's, it's an awesome intimacy, you know, that we're able to have. He wants to hear from our own lips what's on our mind and hearts. And that's why we ask people, hey, we've got your testimony. It's all written down, but we'd like to hear it from you. He even put his Holy Spirit inside of us in some miraculous way to help us to talk to him, but more importantly, to listen to him. So how does this come about? God instituted prayer, but I submit that I and possibly you don't fully get what that means from God's biblical perspective. And last time I checked, his is the perspective that is true and the one that really matters. First occurrence of the Hebrew word for prayer prayer is palai, that's my one Hebrew word which can be interpreted as entreat or supplication as in Genesis 27. You don't need to turn there, but this is one of the occasions, one of the multiple occasions when Abraham tried to pass off his wife as his sister, which was kind of half true because he was a half-sister. This time to Abimelech where God tells Abimelech, and this is so cool, God tells Abimelech that Abraham will pray for him after Abimelech restores Sarah to Abraham. So here is a man who lied to the king, put his wife in danger of adultery, all because he had no faith that God would protect him from death, even though he had personal conversations with Yahweh, and yet God told Abimelech that Abraham, who blew it, would pray for him, and therefore he would not be killed. I find that intriguing. I've noted these passages to point a central truth to prayer. God comes to us first. And if prayer is communication with God and God comes to us us first, then why does it often, if not always, seem the other way around? Why does it seem like I pray to God, I wait for a response, sometimes seem to get one, other times not? If God has really come to me first, when was that? And why do I not see it? Why do I not hear it? And how does he know the answer before the question? Oh, that's right, he's God. He even goes one step further. Let's say I don't even know what to pray for or how to pray. I mentioned this to the worship team this morning. Romans 8, 26. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. But we still haven't fleshed out that central question. How does God speak to us? First of all, I, I don't want to put God in a box. I can't put God in a box. Scripture gives us a number of answers to that question. I'll just read a few of them here. Romans one twenty, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without what? Excuse, you're right. Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. John 14. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said to you. A little bit further in John 16. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. You know, we're to mimic the example that we have in the Trinity, aren't we? Holy Spirit does the bidding. The, the Son, Jesus Christ, does the bidding. You know, how many times did Christ say, I have not come to do my will, but the will of the Father that sent me? That's our job. We're not to do our own will. I'm not up here to preach my words. I am here to preach the word of God. I'm, I'm supposed to be a pipe, a conduit. You know, and that relieves us of so much angst, anxiety, when, we, when God puts that little, you need to talk to John over here about salvation. you know, He's not a believer. God's going to do the words. You know we've got so many examples of that. You know, look at Moses, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. Well, God gave Moses the words, didn't he? He will glorify me back in John 16. He will glorify me because it is from me. That he will receive what he will make known to you. You may have heard of Charles Spurgeon, who had a wonderful analysis of prayer in a sermon he preached on New Year's Day in 1871. Here's a wonderful kernel of truth from that sermon. I'm going to quote it Does not the Christian's life depend upon his prayerfulness? Could he be a Christian if he ceased to pray? What's the answer to that? What's the answer to that, people? If you cease to pray, can you continue to be a Christian and call yourself a Christian? I say no. We reply, the Christian spiritual health depends upon his prayerfulness, but that prayerfulness depends on something else. The reason why the hands of the clock move may be found first in a certain wheel which operates upon them. But if you go to the primary cause of all, you reach the mainspring or the weight, which is the source of all the motion. Many secondary causes tend to sustain spiritual life, but the primary cause, the first and foremost, is because Jesus Christ lives. From Psalms 87, all my fresh springs are in thee. While Jesus lives, he sends the Spirit. The Spirit being sent, we pray, and our prayer becomes the evidence of our spiritual life. You know, James goes into a lot of... um, Comments about, you know, our actions. You know, if, if we look at someone, if we look at ourselves, not even, we're not to look at others in that regard. If, if we look at ourselves and we don't have evidence of the salvation that is within us, I think we need to have some really deep introspection. We really need to look at ourselves hard. And I think a part of that is our prayer life. So how do we know what God is saying to us? Scripture, the word of God. The more we read and meditate on the word, the more we realize what God is saying to us. And when we don't understand straight from scripture or the preaching of the word, he promises the Holy Spirit will explain it to us. I mean, it's like, going to a college course and having the guy who wrote the book sitting there right next to you explaining everything the professor is saying. Um, Someone gave me a wonderful book here about two, three weeks ago, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Um, I've shared it with some people in our widow and widower group. Um, And it's given me a whole new look at lament. And uh, we've talked in our elder meeting a little bit about it. At some point in time, we're going to uh, either have a sermon series or a community life group or a Sunday school class on lament. Because I'll just speak for myself. Sorry. I'll just speak for myself. I, um, I don't know that I've learned how to lament. And it's critical. It's a way to approach God with our complaints, our concerns, the things that we don't feel are right, but approach it in a manner that God has prescribed. And at the end of the day, turn it over to God. And one of the things that, um, um, and I'll just let you chew on this phrase. When we talk about patience, I've, for most of all of my Christian life, had, have looked at patience as being passive. I wait on God, right? I wait on God to work. I wait on God to answer prayer. This study has started me down the road of understanding that patience is active. It's a whole different way to approach it. And that's subject for a whole different sermon and series. But anyway, I wanted to pass that on to you. There's an internal check on our heart that tells us when something is right or wrong. The more time we spend reading and hearing God's word, the more the Holy Spirit enlightens our mind. And when we act on that knowledge, we become more Christ-like and our conscience is more sensitive to what God desires from us. If we're in the word on a regular basis, it's amazing how God brings things to mind. And it's amazing how... We are in a situation and we realize God's perspective intuitively because we've been in God's word. But we all know that, right? So why do I sometimes still have a problem with having a conversation with God? Because, and husbands, hear this, I just don't be quiet and listen. Got a couple of chuckles. The other ones are feeling guilty. When do we hear the faucet drip or the toilet run? It's in the middle of the night when the house is quiet. Let me bring it really home to us. Can you tell from just the voice of a loved one over the phone that they are okay or they have a serious problem? Speaking to every parent out here, one word out of your adult child on the phone and you know instantly there's a problem. No no two ways about it. You know that child. You've raised that child. I can't tell you how many times I'd gotten a call from Gene or the kids, and after that first word, I know something is wrong. Do we have so much noise in our lives that we aren't listening to the Holy Spirit speaking to us? I had a wonderful relationship with my dad. Anytime I had a big issue to deal with, I knew I could call him and get his advice. But you know, the the funny thing is, looking back, he didn't give me any advice. He asked questions good ones, probing ones. He got me to think through and come to the answer on my own based upon the principles he taught me when I was living at home. Now that he's gone from this life to real life, I still hear his voice. I still hear Gene urging me to pray. Our relationship with the Father through Christ with the help of the Holy Spirit is the same. The more we read scripture, the more we listen to faithful preaching. The more we discuss biblical truths with fellow believers, the more we will know the answer to our questions even before we pray. Side note. Are our discussions in recent months about biblical truths and what we are learning about God and ourselves food for thought? How often have we heard pastors say that people come up to them and thank them for saying something they don't even remember saying? The Holy Spirit applies God's word to our hearts for whatever situation we may be in. And, and that's the truth of scripture. I've read some Psalms over this last week. I've read them conservatively 15, 20 times. They hit me totally fresh because of the situation that I'm in and some things that I'm thinking through. What I'm trying to say is that God speaks to us all the time, but it's us that fail to be listening. Psalm 46 Be still and know that I am God. Can we think about this a little bit deeper? What do we generally take away from this verse? What do we translate it to mean? It's a lot more than be still and hear my voice. It's be still and know that I am God. Christ reveals so many truths to us in simple passages. For example, in Matthew 6... But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. Some take this to mean that we are only to pray in secret. However, keep in mind the context. Just like realtors say location, 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 context means so much. The Context from the entire chapter is that there were many who gave so others could see and praised, prayed so others could hear. Christ's point was when we pray, we're not to pray for the audience. Prayer is communication between us and God. It's what God has laid on our heart to say to him. Are we barking up? the Does God even want corporate prayer in light of this? Are we barking up the wrong tree, so to speak, by having times of corporate prayer? Well, Scripture answers that with a resounding no. The Lord's prayer doesn't begin my father. It begins our father. There are numerous verses in the Old and the New Testament that illustrate corporate prayer. And all heaven, all heaven prays together. That's a pretty good example. One example is how the church prayed for Peter while he was in prison in Acts 12:5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And that scripture we read together in Acts was the first prayer meeting after Christ's ascension. Can you imagine what it was like to be in that prayer meeting with those apostles and disciples of Jesus Christ? Well, here's a reality check. Holy Spirit hasn't changed. It's the same today as he was 2,000 years ago. So how can we apply this to where we are today? Well, one application is this. We see people Sunday morning and other times during the week. If we've gotten to know them at all well, and if we're sensitive in our spirit, we know when they're having difficulty. I know everyone in this fellowship has been praying earnestly for Heather and for Jared and sometimes we pray more consistently other times we get caught up in the things of this life and we forget but i can tell you just as you covet prayers he covets prayers for a whole variety of things Um, dependence upon god healing for his wife that they can bring her home keep her home and have her healthy and well um and we pray for that. But we walk up to somebody and, and we see, hey, how are you doing this morning? Oh, okay. All right. Our usual response might be, oh, I, I'll, I'll pray for you. Oh, oh. Do we? Or do we go home and forget. Not, not that we mean to, but we walk out the door and psh, it's gone. Sometimes we forget not because we don't care or we didn't mean it, we simply get busy and forget. My suggestion, and uh, someone did that for me this morning and I really appreciate it, draw the person aside, lay a hand on their shoulder, and pray right then, right there. Two things, it means so much to them. It really does. And the other thing is you're less prone to forget because you did that. You, you made that act. And it also shows God that you're serious. You mean it. And that can happen out every, anywhere. I'll tell you what. Um, I, I've talked to, Mike uh, Webb is really good about this. So is Jared. A number of other people. I don't want to, you know, not mention someone. But they'll run into somebody in a store they've never met before. And the person will say, oh, you know, I'm having a real tough time or whatnot. And I will say, well, can I pray for you? They've never had anybody say no. <laughs> If you offer to pray for somebody, they're going to take you up on that. They really will. That simple act means so much. Do we rely on a special prompt to remind us to pray? Do we have to have, and hopefully the answer is no, but do we have to have a special prompt to have a conversation with our wife or our children or our parents or anybody else that we love? Or is there a a desire, a deep, deep, Desire inside of us to hear their voice and commune with them God has that deep desire to commune with us as people and when we recognize that and respond to it by talking with God our relationship with him grows stronger little side note our joy increases our confidence in his goodness and his truth is made firm We talk about divine appointments. How many do we miss because we're not listening to the Holy Spirit within us? Texts and emails are often full of junk these days. I don't need to to tell you about that. How about making them an uplifting message? Include a written prayer, if appropriate, when you communicate this way to a friend or loved one. I love to do that, and I'm not touting me, Okay, but I love to respond to a text or an email with a prayer. And and here's the reason why, because I've been the recipient of those. And I'll I'll read the prayer, and then two days later, when I've fallen off a cliff, I can go back and I can read it again. So I, I encourage us to do that. The second is this, join with other believers in corporate prayer. Do not feel you have to pray aloud. Remember what we found earlier, the Holy Spirit prays when we don't know what or how to Most of all, be still and listen for God's voice. Listen as the word is preached. Read the word on your own and together with your family. Discuss what God is doing in your life and teaching you. That's far more important than ESPN or who just bought out the Redskins, excuse me, the commanders. Don't hesitate to pray for others as soon as you know a need. And please, please. Let us never forget to give God the praise and thanks that is his due. So maybe you're saying that all this is foreign to you, not just prayer, but the whole idea that God even really wants to talk with you and you can talk with him. You may have heard or read about the uh, horrific um, train wreck in Turkey. Yesterday afternoon, I was listening to the radio. I need to quit doing that. (laughs) I need to just listen only to Christian radio. But um, they were interviewing a man who survived the train wreck. And it was really interesting because it was a BBC interview. And the interviewer actually asked this man, well, do you believe that God protected you? You won't hear that in the United States media, okay? But this man asked But the man's answer hurt because he said, well, somebody in a position of power or who orchestrates things probably did save my life. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He loved, God loved you so much that he wanted to restore your relationship with him and he created a way to accomplish that. If this rings a bell with where you are at today. If you don't have that relationship with God, if God is foreign to you, just like that man in Turkey, you know, if you look to the man upstairs, if you look to um, some cosmic force or cosmic power, I pray that God is convicting your heart today that you need him that he is your only way to eternal life. And I'm not talking about, etern- you know, when we talk about eternity, we think of time. I'm talking about quality. Eternal life with Christ and with God the Father in heaven as opposed to eternal life living forever ever in hell because you don't have anybody who's paid the price for your sins. So I pray that today, if you don't have that assurance, if you don't know that Jesus Christ has saved you and have accepted that and adopted that and adopted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. I pray before you leave this service that you gather me, any of the other guys, hopefully many of the people in here, and we'd be more than happy to share the gospel with you because it's the most important decision you will ever make in your life. We'd be more than happy. I'd be more than happy to tell you how God has changed my life over the years and he continues to change it. He continues to refine me because I'm, I'm this messed up human being and I've got warts and stuff all over the place and God keeps working on them and turning me into what he wants me to be, which is the image of his son. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I pray that, that your Holy Spirit is working in hearts and minds this morning. Lord, that, um, that if there is anyone here that does not know you, Lord, that they would not leave this place without that saving knowledge. But Lord, I also pray that you would convict us to pray, to develop that relationship with you, to rely on you, to share our lives with you, to allow you to share your lives with your life with us. Lord, I pray that you'd convict us to be in your word and just spend time in sweet, sweet communication with you. And I pray for our fellowship, Lord, that um, you would draw us together. Lord, that we would pray for one another, that we would care for one another. And this day, Lord, there are so many prayers going up for Jared and for Heather. Lord, I pray that you would give the doctors wisdom, but most importantly, Lord, I pray that you would work in their lives, teach them what you want them to know, give them the assurance of your, not only of your salvation, but of your care and your love. Lord, we pray continually that you will heal, heal our sister and, and bring her home. And Lord, I pray that you will strengthen Jared as he supports his wife and cares for her, the one that you gave him so many years ago.